0: Layover's flight 002 to San Francisco. Hello, Alex. 003, how are you? 003. Is it three already? It's three already.
1: My goodness! Oh We've yeah, we have already been in San Francisco or in
0: Hong Kong. So I would actually miss my plane. I would have taken the wrong gate and gone to another <laughs> flight and not to Hong. Yeah, see, I was attracted by Hong Kong. We, it's actually, you know, the, the, the nice thing about this show, it's actually the first show that we record after we went live with the, the entire podcast, so we had we actually have feedback now, and a pretty cool feedback actually, right?
1: It's, it's been overwhelming, it really has. I, I can't believe the amount of people that have listened, the amount of people that have uh, that have given us really, really positive and constructive feedback from around the world. It's, it's been extremely satisfying.
0: Yeah, we have we had uh, so we released two episodes uh, last week uh, because the first one was kind of a trial, which is why in my head it was a uh, triple zero. This was double double oh two. Anyway, sorry for that. Uh, we had yeah we have great feedback uh, on Facebook, uh, all the other channels. We have a few guys that really kept us giving links and audio feedback, and there's a lot of stuff we want to improve on. Uh, so we we're, we're doing actually today some tests with the sound. Uh, we'll, we'll see how all how these, how these goes. The other good, good news is that the show is now available on iTunes. Uh, you can actually directly search for layovers on iTunes and or uh, follow the links that are on the website. Uh, the show is also available on uh, Pocket Casts, which is another app. I'm listing the show to other post, podcast ask, uh, apps, sorry, uh, because a lot of people are requesting various apps that I had never heard before of. And there's a RSS feed, which is very important because this is the easiest way actually to follow the show. Uh, I'm going to actually spell it out here. It's feed.layovers.to, uh, so T-O uh, forward slash podcast. And uh, for that, with that, you can actually add it to most of the podcast apps and RSS feeds you have and listen to the show uh, every uh, week. Right, Alex?
1: yeah and uh, i'm 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 glad the whole podcast environment is a little bit weird and disorganized, and I think has been since the early days of podcasting. So having people tell us where they listen to their podcast has been extremely useful for us to to kind of get an education on how it works and also make sure that the show is in all of those places. so if you if you did send us that message, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, and please continue to give us uh, any type of feedback, uh, whether it's uh, via Facebook, Twitter, etc. We'll try to listen as much as we can. we are try to improve as much as we can uh, as well. And really, again, thank you. Thank you so much for... All the warm welcome we've got, whether it's on Reddit and etc. So uh, moving on to the news of the week, the first news of the week is another piece about the 747.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for, the, for a plane that's uh, that's supposed to be on its way out, there's a lot of people talking about it. And this story uh, I, I found on that uh, that venerable uh, news and rumor website, airliners.net, um, and uh, apparently. Indirectly, Boeing is being—I uh, should—I should phrase this very carefully because it's causing a lot of consternation—that a pitch to Emirates for 100 747 800s has been given or is going to be given. Uh, this was on a uh, on a site called uh, Liam News and Analysis, which is a, uh, a kind of an airline uh, analysis and forum blog and. Uh, it's murky and and strange that uh, this story would even come up, but apparently this pitch, which isn't coming from Boeing, so I don't know who it's coming from, and is not going to the CEO of, of uh, Emirates. It's going to the chairman of Emirates. So there's a lot of speculation that this might be some political pressure. It might even be... Something uh, from Airbus to say, uh, uh, you know, look at the options, look at the competition. You've got no choice but to go with an A380. Um, uh, Personally, I think it's a long shot. I I couldn't imagine this slotting in. People are saying it could get stapled onto the back of a a 787 or a uh, 777X. Uh, a deal for the middle of middle of this year. I don't know, Paul, do you, do you give this story any uh, credibility?
0: It's all right. I mean, that they've pitched, it's entirely possible. After all, we know that the, uh, like we said last week and a week before, the 747-8 is not really a success. Actually, I think they currently only produce 1.5 jet a month, so basically 18 jets a year, which is not a lot. Uh, they had some cancellations, actually. I mean, again, Lufthansa is the biggest uh, order. They, uh, the, the problem I have is that, you know, there's a, obviously a lower capacity than the A380. It's only slightly better than the 777X. Uh, uh, and the 777X has the advantage of having only two engines. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty good uh, fuel efficiency. So I I, I don't see the... Uh, the, only, the, other, the only advantage it would be is that... Uh, Compared, if you would if we removed a triple seven from the equation. It's true that the uh, seven forty eight as um Less fuel consumption and, and a lower cash operating cost than the A380, so that could be something.
1: Which seems to be something Tim Clark talks a lot about. The CEO of Emirates is the he wants a ten percent reduction in costs on, for the a, new A380 program. So that maybe that's what the angle that they're going for.
0: Yeah, I was I was thinking the same. I think is it is it some kind of pressure to because we mentioned that you know Emirates is a bit pushing for the A380 to have to be re-engined. So maybe that's a you know angle pressure to say look. If if you guys at Airbus don't do anything about that program, we might just just, just all our business with Boeing. Uh, I don't know. By the way, talking about the A380, a slight piece of news here is uh, not uh, there's a rumor that Turkish is actually looking into buying ten A380s as well. So that could it be seems them. like
1: it would be a good fit for their uh, for their strategy model. and brand and their model. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, We'll see. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that yes. it's actually something that will. Of course, Alex and myself would be very pleased to see more 747 in the air. Uh, but besides that, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that unfolds. Uh, next piece of news. It's. Uh, I mean, we've heard about this a bit more. Uh, sadly, more uh, tragic. We've heard about people falling from cliffs taking selfies, and we've heard of, of, of people crashing their cars after taking a selfie. So this this is huge selfie craze. But I think it's the first time. That we have an official report about a plane crashing because of a selfie. So there was a, I think it was a small plane, uh, the uh, NTSB, so the National Transportation Safety Board, which is um, the US body that investigates plane crashes, uh, found uh, after a crash a GoPro that was filming the cockpit. And that GoPro, GoPro revealed that the passengers were. I'm going to quote here. Var- various passengers were taking self photographs with their cell phones, and during the night flight, using the camera's flash function during the takeoff, in the initial climb, and flight in the traffic pattern. Oh and my apparently- God! <laughs> and apparently that led to a spatial. That's another term. They use spatial disorientation, which led to a stall, which led to a crash. It's a. Uh, the The reason I mentioned that is that it, there's this huge selfie craze that everybody takes selfies. Alex and I do not take a lot of selfies. If you just look at our at our feeds, but it's 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 a bit sad, and it's uh I hope that will that will be a kind of a wake up call for many people to stop fooling around. we you're still flying a, an airplane, right? You're not just
1: pooping. yeah. It's apparently the weather was bad too, and yeah, yeah. the guy didn't have the uh the certifications to fly in instrument conditions or with at night with passengers so I mean goodness me what a what a fool I mean it's a tragedy and and it's not it's not funny but it's a it's a lesson to any uh, any budding pilot that when you're flying a plane that's what that's all you should be doing is flying a plane especially with other people on board
0: yeah, it's like the don't text and drive, so don't text selfies See, and fly.
1: And fly for God's <laughs> sake!
0: So coming back to London, uh, we we discussed about Gatwick and and Heathrow, uh, but you have another piece of news about the third airport here in
1: London. The only airport that's technically in London, which is London Correct. City Airport, and by far my favorite airport in London. What a what a wonderful little airport um, for so, so many reasons. Um, but they just got the green light to expand what is a very small airport at the moment in every every way capacity. It's a very short runway, so short actually that, that only certain planes uh, can fly in and pilots have to be certified to shoot a very uh, interesting and exciting approach. But they did get this $200 million uh, investment green light that's going to allow them to uh, add more flights because of uh, infrastructure upgrades um, and more capacity through terminal expansion. And they're putting a lot of that money also into um, noise abatement admirably because it is right in the middle of the city, uh, city of London uh, as well. Obviously, as with any airport expansion, it's not been universally well received. A lot of the residents are a little bit upset, um, which in, in some regards is understandable. But this is a, a good and important airport, and I'm glad to see that uh, this decision has been made. If you, ha- if you haven't had a chance to fly in or out of, of Lucy, as it's uh, colloquially known, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful little airport, and I, I, I encourage it.
0: Yeah, actually, they're not expanding the, the runway itself. The yeah. They're they, they, they expanding the taxiway, though, so that actually should speed up uh, the, the number of flights because since the taxiway is very limited, again, this this is a very city airport, uh, they have a limitation into how many flights can take off and land. So that should actually speed up the traffic. They also add, add, add some stands. They were built over, actually, not a lot of people know that's a part of it is built over existing piers, uh, it's the Royal Albert Dock and I think the uh, King George Five dock. And there was some part of the the expansion will be built over new piers that are I mean built over these those docks to actually allow. and I think the terminal will also be slightly expanded. there's almost for those who've never flown there, it's a it's, it's a little cube. Is, uh, the advantage is that you can go there basically 40 minutes before a flight and still make it.
1: Yes, absolutely, because there's all business travelers, isn't it, who, who know exactly what they're doing when they get through security. So you yeah, and it, ca- it caters
0: to the city in London, so it's very, you know, uh, the financial district of the city and Canary Wharf is the other financial district of the city of London. So basically, it's, it... it there's no, but there's not a lot of amenities. That's what people, it surprises a lot of people. There's not like a business lounges and stuff. It's really limited, but that's the point. You actually go there and immediately in the plane, you can go very, very fast. So That's very yeah. appreciative. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a great little airport. Um, fun to fly into because like normally at an airport, the glide slope or the angle at which you're approaching the runway when you're landing is around two to three degrees. Because of its position within the city, Um, with buildings all around it they have to drop it in pretty quickly so when it first opened it was seven and a half degrees which is unheard of I think it's that was the second uh, <laughs> most extreme glide slope in a in a commercial airport. Now they've reduced it a little bit. I think the it's six, right, or five five. Or yeah, six. five and a half. So it's still, but it's still pretty good, pretty good fun. It's a, it's a great little airport, and I'm delighted by this piece of news. Um, next is not exactly
0: news. I mean, uh, so if you were reading uh, the blog, so we we write some news. We know that we haven't been writing a lot in the in the past weeks, especially because we were preparing that podcast and we don't plan actually to write every day i either really uh, a lot of the effort will be made on these on these um, podcast here but i mentioned a piece of news about a documentary that uh, will be released called living in the age of airplanes i think i was in the summer uh, it's a documentary that was um, uh, filmed in uh, 18 countries across all continents, talking about how basically aviation, aviation changed the world. And it's narrated by none other than Han Solo, so Harrison Ford. <laughs> uh, there's the uh, the uh, the trailer, the teaser trailer is already online. It's been up for a few months, but uh, Nat Geo uh, will, uh, as announced, that he will dis- distribute it in cinemas uh, in April. Uh, so that's pretty cool because the I will. Uh, I will put obviously the link on on the show notes. You should watch if you love airplanes. You should definitely watch even the teaser trailer. So well done! It's fascinating. It's something that I really want to see. And for all
1: those aviation geeks around, you really w- will want to see this, right? I cannot wait to see this movie. The trailer is just—it's just airplane porn, and it's just—it's—it's it's beautifully done. And I'm—I'm—I hope they do a, a how they made it or behind the scenes. As well, because I'm uh, some of the shots that look like they've got look am- amazing. Um, yeah. and Harrison Ford is great, such a great guy to do it, because not only does he have a, a wonderful voice, he's also a total airplane nerd, uh, and has been flying his own planes for for decades. Uh, so I and I think they're releasing it in IMAX too, so it'll be just spectacular.
0: Yeah, it will be. I hope it's great. I mean, obviously the Nagio deal. I think it's. U.S., but I really hope that it will come in other countries, especially to see it on a big screen. I mean, we'll see that. Uh, talking about big, but now you know the big news of last week was because it was a dashboard cam that caught a plane crash. It was really impressive. Another tragic piece of news, Alex.
1: Yeah, this this uh, Taiwan TransAsia uh, plane that that uh, crashed just after takeoff in uh, in Taipei. Uh, is really extraordinary for 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 many reasons. The first is, as as Paul said, the, the dash cam footage captures this plane skimming across the runway, hitting a taxi. Uh, people survived, which is wonderful and and, and miraculous. Um, yeah, it's miraculous because when you when you look at the footage, you're like, oh damn, there's, this all, there's no way anybody survives this. Yeah, and it's an ATR 72. Um, And it sounds like there was a flame out. The the pilots, I think, did their best, but there's some some news emerging, and they took the unprecedented step of releasing cockpit data uh, recording analysis before the investigation had been completed. And it looks like, although it's not confirmed, that the pilots then turned off the wrong engine, i.e. they turned off the still-functioning engine, which we don't know, I mean, we won't know, I don't think, if that was ultimately the reason for the crash but I it certainly wouldn't have helped and um, you know gosh there's so many things going on I would imagine when, in a situation like that and I it, it probably was an easy thing to do to pull the wrong lever down but
0: yeah the actually the, the, uh, the Taiwan civil aeronautics administration the CAA, uh, has actually mandated that all the ATR pilots are being to be retested so uh, there's uh, actually the Trans, uh, TransAsia had to cancel a lot of flights uh, during the weekend and are still canceling today and tomorrow uh, today being Monday because I know that the show is not exactly live sorry guys uh, so this is uh, I mean well the investigation as you said is not done uh, the, the dashboard cam I'm sure you've seen it will we'll, you know, the link will be on the show obviously it's a bit it, it, it's tragic uh, and I hope that it was not uh, the pilot error, because that really would have been a big, ah, well, oops. But anyway, I don't know. It's In those situations, I've never been one in, in one of those, and I'm not even talking about being a passenger. There's so many things that happens that it's true that, I don't know, maybe it was just a bad, a bad omen. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tragedy, and I think that... Um, you know the, that the pilots were able to issue and made a mayday call and have already figured out that, that what the cause was—an engine flameout, which has been confirmed by the initial flight data recording um, output—is extraordinary and admirable, and that there were survivors is also amazing, and um, you know we should be thankful for that. But uh, gosh, what a—I think that this one is, has picked, uh, has been picked up by the media because of that extraordinary footage and I, I hope that out of it we get some learnings and, and we can avoid like things like this in the future.
0: Yes, uh, moving on to the uh, innovation part tech part of the of the news. Uh, first <laughs> uh, we talk about lower low-cost uh, careers a lot here on this show and that there's a so Scoot. Scoot is a subsidiary of Singapore Airlines and uh, what they've done <laughs> Uh, in their economy class, uh, because they have a Scoot base, which is some kind of business club, but economy class, they have a small uh, power outlet, so you can actually charge your devices where you fly. The innovation, and I know it will anger some people, is that now you'll have to pay to
1: actually get No way. It. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, so you say it's a five Singaporean dollars for short-haul flights and eight for a long-haul flight and uh, you would actually have to do it while you board. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a new piece of revenue. I'm not sure how it will fly. but <laughs> I'm sure it will anger a, a lot of people and maybe give IDs to other uh, other low-cost airlines. Although, and I don't know about you, uh, Alex, I haven't been in a lot of our low-cost airlines where there were any plugs available. That's the yeah. thing.
1: Well, exactly. And, um, the current fleet, bar one I think of Scoot, are ex-Singapore Airlines 7772s um, but there will be an all 787 airline Correct. I think by the end of this year yeah. so they they probably had inherited the, the outlets and and now will have, have ordered their new planes with them but that's not a cheap that's not a small amount of money is it? It's quite it was, a lot of uh, money yeah. but you know it's people will pay for it they want their gadgets
0: well, I would pay for it, definitely. Uh, so we know. I mean, I'm I, I'm not a full... I, I don't have interest in Wi-Fi, but I would definitely pay for it. Yeah. This. <laughs> anyway. Well, we'll see if that expands, if that ID expands or not. Talking about low-cost airlines, the orange one has... Uh,
1: news that uh, yeah.
0: makes you cringe a bit, I it think. It
1: does, it does, I th- uh, although I am softening my stance a little bit on this, so EasyJet, uh, in celebration of their 20th anniversary, have released uh, a new um, livery. And, uh, I mean, it's the, the current livery is pretty hard to miss, it's just the white fuselage with the big uh, orange letters and tail, but the... The new one is, frankly, kind of boring. Um, It's just a, it's just kind of a wedge, an orange wedge that goes up across the fuselage. Um, We'll post a picture on the show notes, but it's, it's kind of dull. I mean, I get that. You know, you don't want to paint a a plane entirely in orange because the more paint you have, the more weight on the airplane and cost, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But their rationalization and and the the reason for it is that it reflects the current brand identity and advertising that they have which to me is not a great way of uh, uh, of justifying your livery because advertising campaigns change you know every couple of years liveries change every six years at the least for easyJet um, I don't know if you've noted because for me the most striking I'm not
0: a big fan either but maybe I'll get used to it you know that's uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a judgment right now but what I've noticed the most Noticeable thing—they dropped .com. Yes, only says EasyJet. It used to say easyjet.com, so they dropped the kind of this internet, you know, URL. So, what do you think about that part, though?
1: I think that they, um, when they started, and and anybody listening, jump in and tell me if I'm wrong about this. But I think at the beginning, you could only book on EasyJet through their website. And this was also around the time when the internet wasn't as pervasive as it was. So they had to sort of really ram home that message of that's where you go to book a flight. Now, people know that there's so many different avenues to book a flight that it's it seems... Um, less obvious and also I think that there's there's a real desire within EasyJet to elevate their image slightly from uh, ultra low cost carrier to something more accessible to the business traveler. So they've introduced this whole new line of, of um, business friendly fares. They push really hard that they go to um, Primary airports in cities, and there's a rumor that they're going to be introducing a loyalty program as well. So I think that that might also have something to do with dropping the .com.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it, it's it's certain that uh, starting with the financial crisis in you know, 0708, etc. You, you've seen a lot of corporates uh, deciding to move their business away from their traditional airlines uh, just for to cut costs. And uh, I've I fly EasyJet, and I've seen more and more actually business people flying EasyJet as well. Uh, and I think that you know it, it. It's a good call from the from the company. They 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 want to introduce like a a business uh, section cabin. But they already you can already if you have uh, some kind of syst- of uh, priority system to get the best seats in front, of the emergency exits. They, they kind of try to cater for some business people to have something extra, like you first first in line and better seats because you have some leg room and stuff. So I think it's. It's 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 a smart strategy because they're seeing that a lot of the the big corporations again are, are moving away the business they not they do not afford they cannot afford paying you know business class in, in Europe at least anymore hmm. plus I mean business class in Europe the I mean I've I've flown business class in Europe it's basically the same cabin as yeah with the seat blocked off between <laughs> the two of you right <laughs> there's no difference um, where were we now uh, I've, oh yeah rice uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, so there's there's a lot of new models that emerge with uh, with uh, flights, uh, especially with those so short haul flights uh, that are not entirely commercial. So meaning with different type of of, uh, of aircrafts. Here here it's uh, Beechcraft King Air three hundred and fifty. We're talking a series of, of these aircrafts. Uh, so it's a it's a new system that all, it's only based in in Texas for the moment. Uh, I think it's launching. It hasn't launched yet. It's a private air travel membership. So you pay, I think, uh, sixteen thousand um, dollars. No, it's not sixteen. So sixteen hundred dollars. Sorry for that. That's the, the lowest uh, possibility. And you and you have basically a, a a number of of travels per month between cities. And it's this you know this eight seater aircraft. And you travel in style. And you can do whether it's for business and and for, for leisure, but the point is, is that instead of actually buying a, a ticket, you're buying a membership. So, uh, do you think it's something? And, and, and yeah, and sorry, and of course, because that's a trend, you'll have a mobile app, and during the mobile app, you can say, "Oh, I need the next plane to Dallas, and the next plane to Houston, and etc." And you can do. It's it, it. What do you think of that?
1: So this it's very similar to Surf Air uh, right. in in California. And when I I think we talked about this maybe on the first show that when I first heard about Surf Air, I wasn't hugely optimistic because I started an airline. I see I know how much it costs, I know how long the certification process takes. But I was happily proven wrong and Surf Air are making a real go of it. Um, I thought, oh wow, well, there's copying the model of Surf Air. But it turns out that uh, the guy that is the uh, chairman was the for, was the founder and former CEO of Surfair. Correct, exactly. <laughs> so so it sounds like they're doing the same thing in Texas and if they can ha- if they can get half the success that Surfair seems to be having, then I think they'll make a real go of it especially in a in a state the size of Texas. Um, so you know, I wish them the best. I I think this model fills a nice niche between airline travel, business travel and um, you know, just plain private jet.
0: Do do, do you think that's a model that we'll eventually see in Europe? I mean, I haven't searched. Is, is there actually something like that in Europe? I'm not I don't
1: sure. think so, not yet. But it, I, I don't think it's going to be too long before we do. We see this. Um, it's a obviously a, in a hugely capitally intensive uh business. Um, I think. I think Surfer raised like 75 million bucks um, in, in debt and equity over there. I think they've been around for o- only three or four years. So, but yes, I'm sure that we will. I'm sure we'll see something similar. Where they'll be based, probably somewhere like Geneva. Um, <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> somewhere central like that. But it'll be interesting to see, and I think this model is, is, is now being proven and, and will be replicated as a result.
0: Yes, so moving back to larger aircrafts, uh, 787 again, the Dreamliner, in
1: Japan. Yeah, so the JAL Japan Airlines have released um, their 787 nine cabin and it really is stunning for uh, for a number of different reasons. I found this on the wonderful blog The Designer. Oh yeah, I love that. TheDesigner.net and so the 787-9 has a maximum capacity of 420 passengers in its, in its kind of tightest configuration. On the JAL 787-9, there will only be 195 passengers.
0: Oh, that's
1: wow. amazing. Um, that's nearly double the space. So there'll be 44 business class seats, 35 premium economy, and the rest, only 116 regular economy. Um, and wow. the regular economy is 242, not 9 across. So, so uh, when
0: you when you when you think that United is moving to ten across, <laughs> thinking of moving to ten across, you're like, wow.
1: <laughs> the seven eight seven is a wide airplane, so that's gonna be so nice. Um, and I think it's it's intermediary distance, middle so they're gonna be using it from like Japan to Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Hong Kong, probably. Um, so. That's business routes as well, let's be fair. So I think yeah, yeah. I think good on them to reverse the trend of trying to cram as many of us as they can into a single cabin. It's really refreshing to see an airline do this. I,
0: I, I've been flown with with uh, pretty much... I, I mean, a, a lot, I used to live in Japan, so I've flown with a few uh, uh, Japanese uh, careers, of course, j- j- more A&8 uh, because of my allegiances to <laughs> the, the, the other alliance. But it's true that overall I always found them pretty roomy and I'm you know I'm 6'4", 195 centimeters if you want to talk in metric so I'm actually pretty big and I've already uh, always found that it was okay Uh, not every I mean not every single aircraft you know flying economy from Frankfurt to Japan on ANA 747 is not that great for anybody my (laughs) my height but uh, it's always been interesting Uh, they've also had I think it was ANA they had that, you know. Uh, the, the, there's a the whole, and we might actually have that as a as a topic of a show once. Uh, the whole rec- recline issue, you know, should people be allowed to recline in front of you? And, you know, there's a whole. There's been actually a lot of disruption in in recent months in in some in some travels because some passengers got very angry at some other people reclining, and. What they did, they, they they internalized the recline. So your seat, and you might have seen that in some trains sometimes. The seat wouldn't actually recline. The seat would actually the the, the seat would actually go slightly forward. So you'd have an angle, but it was still within your own zone.
1: You'd yeah, clamshell.
0: say the clamshell. So this is they always try to do stuff. The uh, I've seen because I've seen just a picture on the on the business. The uh, the 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 the, uh, the gel, uh, the seat is the I think it's a BIO space it's the one that I've seen I think BA uses them and Korean uh, Air I think as well or they're introducing them it's a, it's a pretty cool seat actually it it's also allows so I don't I don't We'll see. Uh, I, I, I hope I can actually fly that plane with that configuration and take some pictures. Uh, that's a good enough reason for me to actually go to Japan again, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, Jal, if you're listening, uh, we would absolutely be honored to, uh, to fly on the site. <laughs> 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 Obviously. Uh,
0: back to Europe, and since I just mentioned Frankfurt, uh, Frankfurt is an airport I I, I do a lot of layovers at. Uh, I know that uh, Alex you do too. Um, I fly a lot with Sansa, and one thing we mentioned last week that uh, Gatwick was announced that they wanted to you know kind of remove the queues of you know the waiting times basically. But in talking about waiting times without promising anything. The Frankfurt Airport has been pretty, something pretty cool on their mobile on their mobile app. You can now have a real-time uh, view of the waiting times at security and at passport control, and I think that's actually really, really useful. I would, yeah. yeah I mean, I usually—I don't know about you—I don't download airport apps. I also avoid to download too many airline apps because, at the end, I could have like you know dozens and dozens on my on my on my iPhone. But that is. A Enough good reason to actually download the app because that will really help me. Actually, know and not only that, you can actually navigate. You can all, also figure out
1: the shortest route between two points on the app, and that's amazing. That's incredibly helpful at Frankfurt because, and I, I still don't know the pattern yet. But there are sometimes when I'm transiting through Frankfurt when you have to go through security in between your flights, and if there's no, if there's no security, and you're like, I have a forty-minute. Layover, uh, I'll make it. But if you have to go through security, that's when you start to yeah. panic.
0: I never, I never understood. That. I know that we suffer here, both living in London, in London, because we're not. The UK is not part of Schengen, so you have to go again past uh, passport control. And I think that depending on where you land which gates you are at at frankfurt you have to go through like security and and we're talking about international security you're mingled with people traveling overseas and sometimes it takes you up to 20-30 minutes just (laughs) i've missed planes because of that and i'm not bashing frankfurt i'd really say that next time i'll use the app to know where i'm at and actually go the fastest route possible that would be really useful and i encourage other airports to do the same thing because it's really one of the biggest pain points in travel is not to know how much time security uh, will, will take. And you know, that's for me one of the best the best solution was just to know, oh, it's gonna be half an hour, ten minutes or two hours.
1: Yeah. It's nice to see an airport being proactive and using technology to solve an obvious obvious problem. Uh, a
0: small, a small one again for me because uh, the the founders are friends. Um, Wonder tab. So if you have a, if you're on your desktop and you, you have Google Chrome installed, which is a browser, uh, you can uh, install now uh, an extension called Wondertab, And every time you open a new tab, basically, instead of having the blank new tab, you'll have a very nice picture of a destination. Uh, with a very good deal as well. It's really beautifully oh, done. Oh, that's
1: dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's very
0: <laughs> dangerous. So it's it's a brainchild from HitList. HitList is the app that actually you can, and we'll talk about it one day, it's an app that you just tell tell it where you want to go and and then it, it gives you back information. Oh, now there's a good time because there's a good deal. So basically it's, it's kind of a companion to that experience. It's really well done. The images are really nice. But as, 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 Alex just said it's extremely dangerous, but I will put the link and we'll have uh, the found, one of the founders on the show soon. Uh, and talking about that, since we have, we're moving then to the app of the week. I just wanted to say that we had a lot of requests of people wanted to be guests, which is great. I mean, we honestly are again overwhelmed by the demand and the, the positive feedback. We will open the show to guests in a few episodes. We're still, like as we said at the, uh, at the inception of this show, we're still testing it out, but we will definitely have, have guests. So uh, thank you so much for all of you guys that have uh, shown interest in it. Moving to the app of the week, uh, Hipmunk. Do you use
1: Hipmunk? I, I do, I think it's a great, uh, great app.
0: So Hipmuck is one of these uh, apps, simply to apps and a website. It's both to simply uh, book, you know, find the best ticket fare. Uh, well, that will be by the, in, in a minute. We'll talk about these systems overall. The reason I wanted to uh, I chose HipMug this time. Uh, it's one of my favorite apps to actually find uh, find the best ticket fare. They have something that I really like. It's called the Agony. Uh, so usually when you do you go to these kind of apps, uh, you'll have the best price, right? And then you can play around with a number of stopovers, et cetera, et cetera. The Agony price is interesting because it's just, and it's not that magic, it's a combination, the The way they display the results. When you say, I want to go from here to here, uh, they'll display the result with a combination of price, fly time, and soap overs. So they say, okay, the agony, so what is the best overall experience from point A from to point B? Because, okay, that's cheap, but, you know, maybe that's cheap, but you'll take like 44 hours, if that happened to me sometimes, 44 hours to go to, to point A to point B, whereas with this one we actually have a better flight experience because it's shorter As less soap overs. And, and I really enjoy the, the way it's also designed it's both again on mobile and on the desktop. They both actually work together. If you log in, you can actually save searches, etc. So it's it's really really well done, uh, and I encourage you to to use it.
1: Yeah, I, I like it as well. It's one of the the first few places I go to when I'm looking for for fares, and you know they're not doing anything revolutionary to get you cheaper fares, but the way that they, as Paul said, the way that they display the information is reasonably revolutionary by doing it in a almost like a Gantt chart fashion to show not just price but also duration and stops in in relation to all of the other all of the other flight results which is which is so so helpful and the agony thing is nice which is I think it's just pr- it's price, duration and layovers or stopovers um, but I think they also should do, like, you know, Age of Airplane and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's, that's that's pretty interesting stuff. But I like them. I think they're great. They're, it was started by one of the guys who started Reddit. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so he, or it was early... One of the earliest uh, employees of Reddit uh, at the very least, but yeah, it's a it's a great way to find flights, and it's usually one of the places I start. It is quite U.S. centric, I have found. Correct. Um, but it is that doesn't mean you shouldn't use it. I think it's a I think it's a good, uh, good starting point to find good fares.
0: So talking about. Keeping on the subject, because that's the main topic of the week, uh, all these OTAs, all these online travel agents that you can use in their apps, there their services, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, Alex's dad <laughs> finally discovered uh, the I- ITA matrix. So it's, you were just saying that, oh, you would like to know the age of the plane. So I don't, I'm not sure you can do the age of the plane or the ITA matrix, matrix, sorry, but you can can do so many things on that one, uh, and we'll get uh, then to the meat of the subjects. But you can actually exclude specific airports you don't want to stop over at. You can uh, disallow the red the eye flights out out of your research. You can uh, say that you want uh, the max connection time should be that amount. The minimum connection time should be that other amount. You can also search by booking class, which is actually very rare that you're able to do. It's all a bit command line, uh, a meaning that it's not. Uh, totally the the, the the interface is a bit um, it is not very intuitive at the very beginning uh, but it's something that is so uh, that 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 allows me to introduce that that's the topic of the week having what do you use as to find a a, a ticket price do you use matrix
1: yes yeah, so yeah matrix is is uh, is an interesting piece of software it's kind of like a piece of exhaust from a broader Product so ITA um, had this came up with this product called um, QPX or Cupix, um, which was the backbone for companies like Orbitz and Kayak and Cheap Tickets and then also airlines big airlines American Airlines, um, United, US Airways, Virgin Atlantic use it as their primary um, kind of ticketing and reservation system, global distribution service, that type of thing. So it's really kind of at the um, very start of the whole distribution process which I always think is where you should start when you're looking for a ticket because you're not kind of adding layers of people taking 2% here and 5% there. <laughs> um, but the ITA matrix is complicated. You have to be very comfortable with fare codes and um, airport three-letter codes and all of that type of stuff and it, it's not giving you hit monk like results. But if no, you no, sorry. And I will actually uh, p- post a link on the show notes where it has kind of a cheat
0: sheet so you can be able to actually, if you want no, to try it out, you'll right, have some yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Go, go on, sorry. No, so
1: it's, it, it, Google bought ITA, um, let's see, quite a while ago, three or four years ago. Um, and they've in turn created Google Flight Search, which is a simplified version of the matrix, but not nearly as powerful as, or as versatile but extremely fast i mean oh we, yeah. we just thought
0: it's interesting because google's bought it a lot of people were a bit uh, scared oh google is going into travel what's going to happen and pretty much not a lot of th- stuff happened for a while right mm-hmm. the uh IT still goes on it's actually been like uh, rebuilt by by google it's hosted obviously now by google it's, it's faster than it used to be, that's for sure, but the interface hasn't changed a lot. Though, like you just said, Google Flights, if you just go google.com uh, forward slash flight, you can have a really, really, really fast search engine for flights. It really works well. To be honest, uh, I said, as I said before, I out of habit, I still use Hipmunk. Uh, usually one of my first destination points. But more and more, I also use Google Flight just because of the sheer speed of that thing. It mm-hmm. just goes really, really, really rapidly. And uh, But it's interesting because they really haven't advertised it a lot.
1: No, I, I don't think they're 100% happy with it, would be my guess. But um, it does pr- provide great results. Um, my first part of call for any stand well reasonable. I don't think I ever take starts flights that are totally standard. But if it's reasonably standard, like I know where I'm going and kind of when I'm going, I I gravitate towards Kayak. Um, do, you,
0: do you actually, sorry, do you actually use any direct uh, website from Merlines or apps from airlines Or you just go to OTAs?
1: Um, up until recently, if it was international and it was a place that they served, I almost went straight to Virgin because I was a gold card holder on Virgin. I had points to redeem. Um, but Virgin actually took away some of the uh, functionality on their website that allow you to search by fare class, um, and I wrote a couple of blog posts about this on my own blog. But uh, to you can't just upgrade any old fare. Like let's say you book a fare in economy, um, you can't just automatically then say, okay, I want to use my miles to upgrade to upper class. You have to book in a certain fare bucket, and there's usually between seven and nine fare buckets per seat which is where it starts to get really complicated, but uh, the Virgin Atlantic site used to allow you to search for a specific fare class, so you could find the cheapest upgradable fare really, really easily. They took that away, I don't know why, Um, but on ITA Matrix, you can. You can say, I want to fly on this route on Virgin, uh, with these fare classes knowing that they're they're upgradable and it would give you the results and the prices so if you are are a frequent flyer who upgrades or does mileage runs uh, IT metrics is an indispensable tool. Uh, agreed.
0: agreed. The, the other one we mentioned it last week that is fun to play with is Adioso uh, is this site it's they have no uh, mobile equivalent but uh, it's a normal mobile app but this is a site where you can do a lot of things in a very uh, UI friendly manner uh, we can again I will use an example I think I mentioned last week and say I want to go to let well, let's say Narita and uh, but I'm ready to fly whenever uh, in the next year and I want to go there for roughly five days and you just put that and then it looks at this is a different way of looking at pricing, that just saying, okay, I know that we'll fly on December twenty third and come back on January first, something like that. If this one allows for a little bit more of, of freedom, uh, it's it's really well done. Again, not I've not heard about it a lot meaning that it, it, it seems to, to have been around for quite a while I'm not sure they're going anywhere I mean it works fine right I mean I'm not saying it's been a uh, development has been abandoned but I haven't really heard anything from them in in, in quite a, a long time but it's still a very cool tool to play with especially if you're not willing to play a lot with all these uh, bizarre codes that matrix uh, allows you to play with uh, the other thing that's interesting because uh, about Google is that actually it's true that Google you, will, you might not actually know about Google uh, flight but in the search engine itself if you just enter a query of flight from to it will display you a box on top which has uh, some very interesting features as well uh, not only that we also actually if you using Gmail that same box will appear to actually you will find within your Gmail uh your booking reservations and actually take it off and you you'll have a display of what are your next flight so actually google might not directly go into the 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 market for to be a, a, an OTA in a certain way but they still help people that just use a basic search engine to look for flights because uh, there, there, there really is a report. Um, it's called uh, the, the Travel's Road to Decision. Uh, so obviously, if you read that report, and I will link it in the show notes, they say, but I think rightfully so, that a lot of people now start uh, planning by just googling stuff. They just go on Google and say, "Okay," uh, and that b- applies both for uh, leisure and business travelers. But one of the findings that I find interesting is that, and we, the exchange between Alex and me, show that there is not. One major OTA that is a winner takes it all. There's a uh, there's brand recognition amongst you know the Kayaks and the Skyscanner and we, Hipmunk are obviously smaller. Uh, and uh, i I forgot one. There's one other big that I I keep forgetting. Uh, but there's not like a definitive one people go to. So. That's the advantage for any player now. You can, and this is maybe why we see a lot of actual advertising, especially in the UK, from all these all these sites that help you book flights, because there's not like this one big site that's taken all the mind share. Whereas yeah. in, in hotels, it has been more the case. In hotels, you have that Trip, trip Advisor is really a, a huge mind share. Not that the, the others don't have a, a chance. At booking.com and the hotels.com, but in flight, there's not. I mean, maybe a, maybe a, maybe
1: you think I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I actually agree with you, but I think there's a reason. Or my theory is that there's travelers are different. They have different needs. They have different um, amounts of information they need to be comfortable with before they make a booking decision. Not just quantity, but type of information. So um, a business traveler is going to want, um, you know, flights that can be changed or at a very specific time from very specific airports. Uh, whereas a leisure Traveler is going to be looking more at a price, um, and, and not so much about flexibility. So, I th- and 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 those different different um, products cater to those different needs. And also, there's that there's that weird thing between an aggregator, which is kind of like what Kayak is, where you don't book through Kayak. Correct. Um, in some cases, you do for hotels, but you are then sent to a different site to fulfill. Um, There are the OTAs like the Expedias and the Orbits of the World that you book through. Um, And then there's the Googles of the world who are kind of in this blurred area uh, as well. And here's another thing that's really important to know about ITA Matrix. You cannot book a flight on ITA Matrix. It won't even send you to the website. You almost without exception have to call the airline to get that fair because they're usually so complex so um, that's, that's worth knowing but actually one other thing on, on the ITA matrix if you are comfortable with its antiquated interface um, you can find some extraordinary deals because of uh, this little feature that says I want to fly out of London or any airport within 750 miles or a thousand miles of it so Okay Alex that doesn't sound very practical, okay let me explain. (laughs) In the UK we have something called air passenger duty which is a arbitrary tax that the government applies to uh, flights to just about everywhere outside of the EU and it increases the cost of your ticket substantially. Now if I go from London to Dubai, let's do London to Hong Kong and my price is 700 pounds um, but if I then say, let's look around at other airports in the area, if it finds a fare out of Dublin, where they don't have air passenger duty, it could drop it by 250 quid. And all I'm paying for is a 35-pound Ryanair flight to Dublin to, to, to catch that, that connecting flight. So that little bit of, of uh, inconvenience can can save you hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and that is the type of... Uh, power search that the ITA metrics lets you do that the others just don't.
0: Actually uh, the same report from Google showed something that you just mentioned is that it's true that because of the needs of of, of the the business travelers, business travelers still have a tendency either to have a travel desk, uh, obviously so you know the American Expresses of the world, or actually to go directly to the airline uh, site or app. So they have, because like you said just earlier about you, I go to Virgin America because I have my loyalty miles there, and I'm able to know the. I mean, at least you're not able anymore, but you you have you were able to know the booking class, and you wanted to get upgraded or something. This is something that still is caters more to business class people. I do the same thing, you know. I I, there will be flights that will go directly to Lufthansa and or Swiss and or Emirates because I know that this is what I need. I have my alliance there. I need to get upgraded, etc. So I will use those those uh those um those sites directly the other thing uh so I say matrix is not mobile friendly though no <laughs> because they don't need to right but that's the thing that is also interesting is to see that more and more uh, for a long time a lot of people wouldn't have actually bought a ticket on their mobile they would have made some research on their mobile especially maybe you know on commute or when they have a few you know like mobile snacking is what I heard the other day there was i was I was heading this uh uh, travel Roundtable round table by Criteo, which is a, a, a french uh, internet giant and they uh <laughs> there was these guys mentioned mobile snack that you would just you know start looking for stuff because you have five minutes and but you would not the end of the funnel of the partition decision will not end on mobile whereas now more and more
1: actually happen you do you, do you ever buy your ticket on your mobile or not no, I never have. But I asked that exact same question on Twitter maybe three or four days ago, and I was surprised by the number of people who said not only have they done it, but they've done it through airline apps, yeah. not through not through OTAs or or aggregators, which was even more surprising. Um, I I I think that the more of a uh, not power user that makes us sound better than we actually are, but but frequent travelers who have very specific needs on on uh, alliances or airlines or, or whatever or looking for fair classes, I think are less likely to book on a mobile. If you just need to get from A to B, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, then again, uh, the, the Google report I mentioned before said the business travelers 36 what was it? No, 30% around 30%, I don't remember. Or thirty percent we actually buy through their smartphone. They don't the interesting part is uh, Google do not does not count tablets as part of mobile, which I think is kind of right because tablets have a more it's almost like a desktop I'm not saying that the apps on the iPads are clo- uh, there might be closer to your iPhone but the type of behavior you you have on your tablet might be closer to having a, a desktop search so it's it, it's still rising uh, so this is why most of the, uh, the the names we mentioned throughout this segment actually have a, a mobile app uh, and more and more people are, are, are doing so and I'm actually I didn't see that 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 question you answered, uh, you asked on Twitter, but I'm not surprised that more and more people do. I think around, it, it must be I think uh, the, the Criteo, that same um, company I just mentioned, they they also released a report that I will will link to, and I think the uh the, there's there was a year and year 20% increase in the world of of people you know booking. Through through mobile, so he actually goes there. You know, you trust Uh if you trust a brand, and that might be the that might be the reason why people go through to airline apps is because I trust Lufthansa, and I know that if I'm on Lufthansa and I need that flight, because again, I know that from point A to point B, I need that flight. uh, Why not just buy it from there?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's. I would be interested to know from the audience what sites you use and do you book on mobile sites? So so hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook uh, or on Google Plus and let us know where what your go-to site is and if you book on mobile I think we we and everybody else would be really interested to, to hear and to share those links.
0: Exactly, and that will close that chapter. I think we'll, again, because it's something we do both of us uh, very often, booking flights, so we'll, I'm sure we'll go back with uh, news about this. Moving on, uh, we had a question. So the question of the week, uh, we said in the first two shows that we would like actually member of the audience asking us a question. And the first question is uh, by a friend of mine that actually supported us from the beginning because he sent a lot of feedback through uh, through social channels. Is Gen Kanai? He's uh, based in Tokyo, Japan. He works for Mozilla, and he asked a question. Is a bit. Uh, Hard to answer because he has a question. Delicate. Which delicate is the right word? Which airlines would you not fly on, and why not? <laughs> ah. So I don't know if you want. I, I did some. There are you know. In, in that the, the issue is that with that kind of question is there's a lot of lot of it is actual facts, and there's a lot which is uh I, how do I say that you know superstition or rumors you know there are clearly stuff that you not you don't want to fly so if you so the EU for instance releases at least a list every year of, of flights uh, airlines that are banned from flying within the EU uh, the list is exhaustive I'll, I'll put a link uh, as well in the show notes all the airlines that are basically on that list I'm pretty sure I would never fly them <laughs> uh, because there are really some very strange airlines. The FAA, so in the United States, do not release a list of airlines, but they release a list of countries which are banned from flying, for operating on uh, US airspace. Uh, and I'll take an example because I've lived there as well the Philippines. <laughs> So, have I flown fly, uh, internal flights to the Philippines? Yes, I've flown, I've flown Philippine Airlines, which is an okay company. So, I, w- I would actually fly them again. But it's true that I've flown also some low-cost carriers within the Philippines. And I'm not actually, I was not actually entirely sure uh, that they were completely uh, standard. I didn't die. I'm here to talk about it. Uh, so, I guess this is where it becomes a bit blurry because how do you define if that, so they are. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll let you talk. I'll continue after. Maybe you have another take on that. How you would you choose an airline to fly, not to fly on?
1: Um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting topic. Um, I think that the list of airlines I would fly on is a lot shorter than the airline list of airlines I wouldn't fly on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm I'm very picky about the airlines I would fly on. I like the way that Europe does it. I think it's very sensible. It is. Um, it it's done by country and then by carrier and then by 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 specific airplane. So um, there are some where they have said everybody every airline from this country is not allowed to fly to Europe except this particular airplane. Um, and I like it because like Kazakhstan uh, is not a great. Um, Hasn't got a great reputation for air worthiness, except their flag yeah. carrier air Astana, is f- absolutely first rate. They're a four-star SkyTrack airline. Amazing, four stars. Four stars. They're only one in all of that region, including Russia and Central and, and Eastern Europe. They are a very good airline. They're forty-nine percent owned by BAE Systems, and all of their or a lot of their management staff come from other extremely noted uh, and successful airlines like like Cathay Pacific. So to, to say that no airline from Kazakhstan to, can fly is is unfair frankly um, but having said that i I look at a lot of these these countries and a lot of the carriers, and they've all had major maintenance issues, major safety issues, unstable governments um, like above the average hull loss per year and, and passenger death per year um I would, I would add, the, the, so the International Civil
0: Aviation Organization, uh, which is part of the United Nations, also do uh, does uh, standard reviews, uh, and they actually give warnings as well. So I, I, I'm not sure, though, they have a list available to the public. I will look it up, and I'll, and I'll let you know, guys, if I find one. The interesting part is that they... So the way that they, they will actually say something is that they will actually put warnings on some states, which doesn't mean that... that nation has either a bad history but you can't imply that oh they might not have enough resources to to ensure that the quality of care of aircraft and also the airport and all the ecosystem around our our aviation is good enough so that's that's one source the other source is the IATA based in Geneva they also have they also run you know um, um, certifications and so most of the airlines that are on the IATA should be good. I mean there's a lot of plane a lot of actually uh, especially in, thir- in, in emerging countries a lot of um, careers are not on the IATA so they also run tests and uh, so that could be another source actually to look it up. I know I'm, I'm very technical here and I'm not saying this is an airline to avoid. <laughs> Uh, and yet and you know and maybe and there are some other you know private resources i think there's you know air, airline ratings is one when the people actually rate airlines and interestingly because you just mentioned uh, aircraft uh, they actually they have a five star system i think it's five and they remove a star if the aircraft uh, has been uh, is a Rus- Russian built, uh, mm. which basically means you know from the USSR. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, well, exactly. I think it's a it's a that's an interesting one because you have you have companies like uh, Sukhoi, which is Ukrainian, um, but was part of obviously the Soviet Union uh, when it when it started. Um, it's a delicate topic, um, and it actually for airplane nerds, it's it's a Really a hard topic because you have these airlines which are banned uh, that are operating these beautiful and yeah. basically antique airplanes. Like there's an airline in Iran called Saha Airline, which up until recently was still ro- running 707s. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> and then Air Corio, the 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 carrier from North Korea. I mean, you know what?
0: I'm sure they're unsafe in a certain way, but I'm sure that if I were to visit, I would like to fly a short haul just to have done it once in my life. So that's the thing. We all have our limit and our risk and the risk we are going to take. It's true that uh, there are some countries I would never fly in. There are some... The, the major airlines I don't have a problem with, right? Uh, so, and, and I think the other because when i talk to people and we're not talking to them here about airplane airplane nerds we're talking about the regular people i talk to they some people have a, l- a bit of superstition and about low cost low cost carriers and i'm telling them you know what a, f- a fleet from easyjet or ryanair is actually very recent it's uh, most more recent than I say and i'm not bashing anyone here klm they they are they're you know the average age of a, of an aircraft on low cost airlines is the big ones actually is actually very, very young. Well,
1: yeah, agree. absolutely. They're, they're, I think Ryanair's got one of the youngest fleets in Europe and one of the biggest fleets in Europe. Um, and they have something
0: that, uh, because of cost, they only run a single aircraft. They have one single aircraft, so they really know that aircraft very well. It's true that it's because they want to actually reduce costs and not to have to cater for many aircraft, but meaning also, or implying at least, that they know that single aircraft very well. So I wouldn't say that avoid LCC's because that would be also a very bad uh, very bad uh, idea. But basically, in major countries, Western, and I don't especially like that, that term, I, mean, I think it's okay.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think if you know, you're know you really worried about it, check the, one of those blacklists, see if your airline's on it, um, and I, then I would strongly suggest reconsidering your booking if they are on that list. Exactly.
0: I'll put all the links to the show. So, and to finish, uh, because again, we're running at w- almost one hour because we said we wanted to stay within that band. Uh, the uh, airport of the week, in SFO. So it's almost uh, like a home airport for you, Alex.
1: It is. It's uh, it's a great airport, um, and it's yeah, it was. It is kind of one of one of my many home airports, which sounds I know a little bit uh, contradictory, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a great airport that has been re- kind of going through a regeneration for decades now uh, because of for various reasons one in the 1989 earthquake um, the International Terminal was uh, or the then International Terminal was damaged substantially Um, and then when the new International Terminal opened um, about 10 years ago nothing happened with what became terminal 2 it was empty and you could walk through it it was eerie and weird to be able to walk through a ghost terminal There was, all the stuff was still up, um, but there was was no life in it. It was quite, quite strange, but now it has been re-energized. It is now the home of Virgin America and American Airlines. Um, (laughs) The one thing you should know when you're flying into San Francisco is it's not in San Francisco. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's about 20 miles away, so you have to plan your transfer pretty carefully if you're trying to get into the city. (laughs) That's a lot of people.
0: Last time, that would be one piece of of, uh, maybe... Trivia, and I, I don't know if it's still valid because I haven't flown there for a long time, but I think parking is still actually okay. You can still yes, actually, parking is good, it's, um, and it's cheap. I mean, it's not in some airports. It's just crazy to leave, to leave your car in an airport. You will basically just you can buy a new car with the amount of <laughs> the 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 ticket parking, but. On, on SFO it's actually pretty cool. So if if you have a car in in San Francisco and uh, you actually want to leave it at the airport, I think it's pretty it's pretty okay. I think there's even a cap. I'm not sure it's still the case, but there's even a cap. And uh, since we're both uh, we both like our apps, I th- I'm not sure that Uber can come at yes. SFO.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, oh, they do. Okay. They okay. do. Yeah, and there's Bart, which is the which is the kind of hu- Train service that will take you into the city as well. It's cheap. It's pretty fast, but it's definitely deafeningly loud. Um, if you have time when you're in San Francisco Airport in the international terminal, there is a fantastic museum that is oh, yeah. built to. It's a replica of the original terminal from um, from the early 20th century. I think 19, 1927 is when it opened. And so not only is it a beautiful uh, um, building inside, um, it also has a bunch of, of, of kind of rotating displays. And San Francisco Airport, I don't know why they do it, but I'm so glad that they do. They have these wonderful displays of, uh, they rotate maybe once a quarter of any type of subject. Sometimes it's bicycles or um, old cameras or and they're beautifully curated and they're spread throughout the airport and you can while away hours just looking at these total total, sometimes they're aviation related like they're old uniforms or and sometimes they're not like the last time I was there it was it was fast food mascots through the ages (laughs) and it's all like museum quality stuff so it's a real gem of an airport you know it's not the operationally whatever it's 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 a major international airport that has its problems but That kind of thing makes it stand out.
0: And on that, uh, this is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, etc., etc. Just go to... Layovers.to, uh, to, it's T-O, I know we don't have a .com, sorry guys, uh, that's where you can find all the information about uh, all our presence online, and please, please, please continue give us, to give us feedback, that's very important to us, we're still, as you can see, ironing out the edges, making the show better, Whether it's because you want to submit a piece of news as a question of the week, because you want to mention something about a mistake we might have done, because we're not always, sometimes we do mistakes when we say something, or maybe because you want to intervene at some point in the show in the future, or because you think that the quality of the sound is not great yet, or anything, please do not hesitate. We love getting feedback because we really care about that show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And And I want to give a special thank you to the people on uh, the aviation subreddit on on Reddit.com who have been so positive and uh, just given us great feedback, and they're the ones who who told us so much about the the, uh, the 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 podcasting sites and apps and everything like that. So so thank you to to people like Low and Fast and uh, Fisher Six uh, Two Six Six for for those contributions. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everyone, and Alex. I'll see you next week.
1: All right. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks. Good speed.